Please be seated. The story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is a wonderfully nuanced story because there is that sense of jubilation and celebration, the hosannas and the palms, and there's all the symbolism of the Messiah. He's entering the gate that was prophesied that the Messiah would come through, and he's riding on a donkey, which compared to a horse is the sign of peace as opposed to a sign of war. So he's the prince, he's entering the, the, the prince's gate, and he's riding the symbol of peace. So it's the Prince of Peace, and there's this great celebration in the streets, and this is the King of Israel in some mystical sense. He is the, uh, the Messiah for which they were waiting. But at the same time, there's a bittersweet quality to it as we read it um, on this side of the resurrection, because we know what happens after this triumphal entry. And we know, because the story tells us, that Jesus was under no illusions himself as to what was about to happen to him when he went into Jerusalem. So while the crowds are singing praises and celebrating that finally we're going to be relieved from our suffering and the Messiah is going to come and throw off the Romans and make everything right in a reign of peace and justice, that's not what happened. Well, it is what happened, but not in the way that they thought. So when we hear the story of the celebration and the parades into Jerusalem, it's a story of a naive celebration. And it's put right here at the beginning of Holy Week because we move from that naive celebration into the story of Holy Week, the story of Good Friday, after which we get to the resurrection. And I, you know, I've, I've been messing about with the liturgy a little bit by moving the readings around and, and trying to reclaim Palm Sunday. But the, the framers of the BAS put the long Good Friday reading on this day. Normally, this is a really, really long service as a result. Um, but that, that long Good Friday service is to make the point that you can't get to Easter except through Good Friday. And that point is solid, absolutely true. So uh, we're going to hear it, just not before the sermon. So that naive celebration um, is, is not gone. There's still, a, there's still a great enthusiasm for a naive approach to faith and spirituality. And the naive approach is based on this idea that when we get our spiritual lives good or in the right space or we attend to them, then blessings will come to us. And that's the naive promise of faith. And it's true across the religious spectrum. There's certainly a big Christian element of this, but it's not limited to Christianity. Um, you go to any North American store uh, that, that deals in spirituality, and you'll hear that message that if you just get centered, then the universe will bend itself to your needs, and you'll get parking spots when you need them, and so forth. Um, you know, that, that, that reality will conform to your mind, so you have to have positive thoughts all the time, so positive things will, will come. This is, this is the same thing that Christians will preach in the so-called prosperity gospel churches, where if only you make sacrifices and love Jesus and follow the Lord and have true faith, then God will shower you with financial blessings, and you will be richer than when you started. And this is a message that has no shortage of adherence, because it is an attractive message, and it's the naive message. It's if I believe, God will bless me. 
and, and, you know, we can look at the prosperity gospel as, you know, more educated Anglicans and feel all superior, except that we have our own version of naive faith. And, and it, it's the version that says, well, if I just pray hard enough, then my loved one will get better from their illness. And we pray for healing and miracles do happen. But the miracles are always in God's department, not ours. And it doesn't seem to correlate with our own righteousness or our own fervency in prayer or whatever. Miracles do happen, but God chooses when they happen. And it's not something that we can just pray harder or get better at praying and make it work. And so there's that naive faith on our side that if we just pray hard enough or a faith or a faithful enough, things will go our way. Um, I, uh, one of my own stories from my own childhood, it's safer to talk about my childhood rather than my current naive mistakes, so I'll just <laughs> go to the safe place. Um, but uh, I, I went to a Catholic school when I was a, a kid for a couple of years, and it was in Winnipeg, and my mom had to work um, so we were kicked out of the house about an hour and a half before school opened. Um, but at the Catholic school, there was always early morning chapel, which is warm. So I went to church, not really because of the service, but because it was warm. And it's minus 40 out, and I didn't want to be outside. So went inside, and of course, I'm polite. I'm a good kid, so I sit, and I, I can't help but hear the service. And I heard about turn the other cheek and so forth. And I remember later that, later that same day, some kids decided to tease me and torment me, and they stole my toque, and they were running away from me and laughing, and I'm going, come on, guys, wait up, give me my toque back. And I got so mad, and I, I remembered the Bible reading, and I thought, well, if, if you take your hat, give them your cloak also. So I took off my parka. It's, it's 20 below, right? Took off my parka, and I said, here, take my parka then. And so, so they did. <laughs> And they ran away and laughed with my parka. And I still didn't. My, and, and that wasn't how it was supposed to work. I thought that <laughs> if I would, you know, if I held out my parka, they'd feel sorry and they'd give me my toque back. So it was, a, it was a strategy for me to relieve my own suffering. And so if I was faithful to the gospel, then I would have a relief from this terrible experience I was happening. So we are not immune to that naive faith. We want to join the parade. And for many of us, that's why we joined the parade in the first place. Because we do experience blessings. Maybe our prayers are answered. Maybe we're in a desperate place. And we, we come into a church and we fall on our knees and something profound changes. We experience a miracle. We experience the presence or even the nearness of God. And we say, wow, I want some more of that. And so we begin the faith journey. But that's us joining the parade on Palm Sunday. And of course, the whole message of Palm Sunday as we shift into Holy Week is the movement from a naive faith to a mature faith. And a mature faith is the way of the cross. It's about not avoiding suffering, but entering into suffering. And so we have the, the wonderful epistle reading today, which is for though he was in the form of God, he did, not, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be exploited, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And this is the Jesus that was on the donkey riding into Jerusalem. And the, the, the multitude did not know it. They thought he was the military savior. He was the, he was the person that was going to bring justice to Jerusalem. Um, but he was emptied of himself. And in Jesus' own mind, there was nothing of, I am the king. There was only, I am following the call of God into this place where I know that the ending is not going to be fun. 
But in the end, there is nothing left for me but the call of God. It's not about me anymore. And so you get Alan Jones's great line, it's not about you. The Christian faith, the good news, it's not about you. And when you really get that, you start to make that transition from the naive faith, which is all about me, to a more mature faith, where it's not about me, it's about God. It's about what God is doing. It's what God is doing through me and through you and through all of us together and independently of all of us together. And so that movement, that self-emptying, there's a, there's a Greek word, kenosis, which has spawned a whole area of reflection in Christian spirituality where, where um, in contrast with the popular spirituality where you have an inner divinity and you have to realize that you are divine on the inside, Christianity has, says that we are made in the image of God, and so there is a sense that Christians talk about inner divinity as well, but we say the way to it is precisely the opposite. It's to empty yourself, and when there's nothing left of you, then there is nothing but the fullness of God's will within you. And so the movement from Palm Sunday into Holy Week is that movement from naivety to maturity. And I don't know a single uh, serious Christian that has not had a honeymoon period at the beginning of their faith journey, and then the honeymoon has ended. And then it has become the journey of the cross. And there's no going back. You don't want to go back. You don't want to go back to that naive self because it, it was fundamentally false. And if you try to go back to it, it's not there for you anymore. In the end, there's only forward in faith, which is a movement into suffering and asking a different set of questions. Not how will God relieve me from this suffering, but what is God doing in and through this suffering? How is God at work even now? And whatever the crosses are that we bear in our lives, and we don't have to look too far because life hands them to us, the mature faith asks, how, how am I still making this all about me? And how can I shift my perception and my approach to this journey to ask the question of, how can this be about God? What is it that God is up to even in this cross that I might be bearing? And in doing that, we make the shift that Palm Sunday symbolizes from naivete to maturity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.